And so what I want to get out there is how happy and healthy and useful and meaningful my life is when I am behaving that way. When I have time for the newcomer, when I have time to take that phone call, it gives me a sense of well-being and probably, I guess, for lack of better word, self-esteem that I just didn't know how to get before AA. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Volare, oh, volare, oh. All right, greetings from Studio AA deep in the heart of Texas. That was the voice of my friend, Mr. David G that you heard at the beginning of this here episode and you are going to hear so much more from him in just a moment but first things first this here episode is brought to you by Eric and David and Kate what you may ask yourself that Eric and David and Kate do to observe, to, excuse me, to deserve, not observe, such recognition. Well, they went to our little Sober Speak website, our humble little Sober Speak website at www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made, you guessed it, a contribution. So thank you so much, Eric and David and Kate, this here episode is coming right out to Ewan's. All right, everybody. So on the website, speaking of, if you go to www.soberspeak.com, the lovely Mrs. M has recently published the most listened to episodes of the year of 2022. Um, and, uh, I'm looking at it right now. So if you go to the website and you click on, there's a little tab at the top. It says top episodes. You will see the most listened to episodes in 2022. Sandy beach is number one at episode number 246. Oh, I'll just do the first three and you can read the rest when you go to the website. Uh, number two is episode number two, two, zero with Rachel W. 
Don't leave AA before the miracle happens. And if you have not heard that one, it is absolutely fantastic. And number three is KDP part one. So, and we have 20 of them listed there, the top 20 for 2022. So go ahead and to the website and uh, uh, check that out if you are so inclined. This is my friend David G here this week. The episode is entitled Carry This Message, and you'll see why it's called Carry This Message as we begin our discussion. David talks about many things, as always. I just absolutely love uh, interviewing David. He is chock full of nuts. Uh, We speak about introducing yourself as an addict and alcoholic, as some folks do. Uh, We talk about selfishness, self-centeredness, and the differences therein. And we speak about so much more. So, ladies and gentlemen, buckle up your seats. Wait a sec. Buckle in... Buckle, buckle your seatbelts. I think that's how it goes, right? Buckle your seatbelts, get strapped in, and uh, enjoy the ride. And we will have plenty of oh, listener feedback at the end of this here episode. Oh, in fact, I have another edition of, I don't know what to call this, John M. Sucks, John M. Bites, John M. Stinks, uh, Down with John M. But we have another edition of John M. Bites at the end of this here episode. And so we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy, David. Okay, everybody. So we're sitting here again today with a fan favorite. Can I say that, David? If you want to, you can say that. I think you're a fan favorite because I get a lot of... uh, Uh, comments uh, regarding your episodes, positive comments. So anyway, we're sitting here with David G. Once again, David has been on the uh, podcast, oh, I'm guessing 10 times, uh, right in that area. I don't know. We haven't gone back and counted it, but he's been on a lot. So David, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and tell people where you live, please. Not Our, the actual physical address. No physical but, address. You know, okay. Yeah. Don't want any stalkers. Uh, David, <laughs> alcoholic, uh, addict. Uh, September 15th, 1993 is my sobriety date. I live in Frisco, Texas, about three blocks from John. If you wonder why I'm on here so much, it's because I can be here in about five minutes. And the other reason is that he has great content and people love him. So, okay. So I just thought of the first question. Yep. And it had nothing to do with, you know, anything that we talked about. We, we, we talk, David and I talk before we start, but then we also know that it's likely not going to go how we plan, right? It's more of an organic conversation. It always has been. And that's the way I like it. So the first question I have is just how you introduce yourself. And that is, you said, I'm David, alcoholic. Oh, and then you paused and you said addict. I like to make sure that I say that, and I don't say that because I think there's any difference between alcohol, alcohol addiction, or alcoholism. I think that they're synonymous. That's just my opinion, but that's been my experience. Um, but I do think that there is a fear in newcomers in AA that if they don't really understand the alcohol part of alcoholism, uh, and they think that addiction is different than alcoholism because uh, they don't really abuse alcohol. Uh, It's not their preferred uh, drug of choice. 
Um, I want them to know that there are people in AA, uh, me included, that view my addiction and my alcoholism in exactly the same light. And I don't want anyone to ever think that because I call myself an alcoholic, that that somehow makes the newcomer addict unwelcome, because it's it's just not my experience. When I came into AA uh, from NA, I was very much under the impression that I was going to be rejected because of my addiction, and that never happened. I do take responsibility for either identifying myself as an alcoholic, which I am, or, or if there's a newcomer in the room who's really fighting against calling themselves an alcoholic, I will occasionally uh, call myself an addict with a desire to stop drinking, because of course that makes me a member of Alcoholics Anonymous with full membership, just like anybody else with any other problem. The desire to stop drinking is the key uh, that gets us in the door. Okay, so you know, and I've been around a while, I've been part of group consciences and all that kind of stuff they always talk about, and I know you're well thought out on this, and this is why I'm asking you the question. In terms of primary purpose and, you know, all that kind of stuff, what, what is your thought on that? Well, I, from what I have read, and there are some things about addicts versus alcoholics, but very few. Uh, most of what I've read and most of what I've heard in meetings, traditions meetings, uh, has been that the primary purpose, uh, the outside issues that people sometimes call drugs outside issues, that outside issues were not referring to drugs at all, that outside issues were referring to things like temperance, which brought down the, the uh, Oxford groups, um, and political issues, um, that those are the outside issues that are being talked about, that those can bring down our organization if we get into religious conflict or political conflict or whether we're right to life or, or, or right to choice. We don't get involved in those outside issues. And in my view, and this is just my take uh, and the way I look at it, um, when people refer to drugs as an outside issue, they're really not using that in the correct it's not being used correctly because that's never what, in fact, Bill Wilson, when he told, tells his story, Dr. Bob, when he tells his story, a doctor alcoholic addict and many other people in their stories, none of them refer to their drug use as an outside issue or outside of the primary purpose of AA. The primary purpose of AA is to carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous to the recovering alcoholic, which drug addicts who have a desire to stop drinking are recovering alcoholics. Understood. That's you, my the simple I, yeah. short answer to your question. I know that I could sit here in a room with someone who disagreed with me and we could talk about this. And as you know, because you and I are very different politically, we can have spirited conversations and walk out of the room friends. And I don't think that anyone's opinion is wrong, but I definitely want to express to the newcomer that if you are a drug addict, uh, that you are welcome in AA. With the caveat that you have a desire to stop drinking. That's correct. As long as you have a desire to yeah. quit drinking, right? Um, yeah, so let's talk about our political differences. <laughs> oh, gosh. I want you guys kidding. to mark this on the tape that John just brought that up. Okay, go ahead. I'm just I'm completely <laughs> kidding. I don't even want to go to... In fact, that's why I like this podcast is that, uh, you know, we, 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 we have a space, much like Alcoholics Anonymous, yep. right? To where we're not going to come in and talk about politics and outside issues. Yep. Uh, we're there to carry the message of AA. And, uh, you know, I want this to... I, I, and that's what I think about when, when we're creating this thing. 
thing. I want it to be a, a safe place where people can come in and relax and grow spiritually and think about things in a different way and maybe broaden their horizons. And that's why we do the podcast. And I want my home to be a safe place. You know, I practice the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous, the traditions. I don't know the concepts as well as I should. I've been through the concepts, but just once. Uh, but I've been through the traditions many times, and I try to apply this. You know, I have some very different political views and religious views to some of my closest family members, and it does not affect our relationships because I stay out of those outside issues with them, you know, and it's not my responsibility to change anyone's mind about anything. Uh, you know, uh, Curry from our group, I heard him talking in a meeting once uh, about how he... He used to go on to Facebook and he would post all of his various uh, opinions mm-hmm. regarding whatever issue it was, issue of the day, right? And he said, not once did he ever have anybody say, you know what? That's a really good idea. I never thought right. about it. That right. Way. I think I was at that meeting. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's the truth, and and I don't think Christmas dinner is the venue to try to convince someone that they're not seeing the world clearly. <laughs> you know, just pass me the potatoes. <laughs> oh, that's great. By the way, I do I do want to say that we the. The G family, David G family, has provided much content to the Sober Speak podcast lately. Uh, as you know, you had been on for, like like I said, probably 10 times or so. But we recently had the lovely Mrs. G on yes, the podcast. Sarah was on. It was fun to listen to her. Yeah, it was great. Yep. Thank you to the G family. Yep. She was, she's a very earthy, straightforward person she doesn't mix words at all which i love you know you don't wonder what sarah thinks yeah it was great it was great to have her all right so let's uh, we have been on this trek to kind of get through the steps so to speak and i don't know if you ever get through the steps but what we started with way back in the beginning i think one two three four five six seven eight nine and then eventually we got to 12 and originally uh, we were going to break it down in a couple of different segments, right, within the step. I think, so having had a spiritual awakening, I'm pretty sure we did that we one. Did. And then last time we started to go through the next piece about carrying the message. And I I asked you some various questions and it, and it turned out to be really all about sponsorship. So we just called it sponsorship. So why don't we take it up from that point? Because having, I'm doing this in my head, right? Having had a spiritual awakening... As the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message, and we'll see how far we get with that, and then maybe we can go on to the very last piece. I don't think there's any way we're moving on to the next piece. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what between us, there's like 60 plus years of sober walking around the world dealing with this stuff. I don't think we're going to pull off uh, that much. (laughs) Okay. So having had a spiritual, as a result of these steps, we we tried to carry this This message. message. Okay. So we tried to carry this message. So when you think about that, what does that mean to you? Well, the first thing is this message. That's very specific, and it indicates that there is a singular message in Alcoholics Anonymous that I am supposed to carry to the newcomer and to any people in my life who welcome me bringing them that subject, you know? And I I hear so many things in meetings like everyone else, 
it from so many sources and and all of those things make our lives and my thinking more dynamic and and more informed and more rounded and more colorful and i love those things you know i love hearing from the people who have a message that's very different from mine in terms of how they go through the book or how they deal with their sponsees you know uh and i have no argument with any of those people the message that i carry to my sponsees is based on the message that was carried to me that brought me so far lifetime sobriety. And so obviously that in, involves like my perspective from dealing with Clovis and going through step studies year after year about how I work the steps, how I look at the book, how I look at the doctor's opinion and see what I have been told or the instructions from the doctor's opinion to talk about the allergy and then move into the big book where you talk about Bill's descent into alcoholism and then his rising like a phoenix from the ashes. And then you go into chapters two and three where you're looking at the the mental obsession that no matter how many times and how profoundly I declare that I'm going to quit, that my brain always convinces me that I can get away with it this time, or I I am not going to have the consequences that I have this time, or I just casually pick up a beer and take a drink and then think to myself, how did that just happen? Well, it happened, so I might as well keep drinking. You know, There's so many things in those chapters and the the message that was brought to me from those chapters and that I try to carry to other people is a message that leads me to understand that alcohol is just a symptom. And I think, you know, talking about what we started this off, that I call myself uh, alcoholic addict, or a lot of times in meetings, particularly if I see there's someone in the room or heard someone in the room identify themselves as an addict, I will first to call myself an addict and an alcoholic. You know, I, I, I don't consider that like some kind of teaching moment for the newcomer. I just want it to be a welcoming moment for the newcomer. Because in the end, and there's no end, I hate when people say that at the end of the day, whatever, <laughs> the basis of this program to me, is what we're talking about. And the basis of this program is not how I drank, it's not what my consequences were, it's not who I hurt or what I owe apologies for or what I have regret for or shame. Those things are all part of the problem, which is my ingrained selfishness and self-centeredness. The way that selfishness, that I always want the big piece of cake. I always want the best looking steak on the platter. I always want to find a way to get the best room or the best bed at the hotel. In other words, my natural inclination is not to feel happy for other people that they got the softest bed in the room. My inclination is to be disappointed and butthurt if I don't get the softest bed in the room. That's selfishness. Self-centeredness is that no matter what is going on around me at any moment, I only really observe absorb how it is affecting me, how I feel about it, how I wish it would have gone, and what I'm going to now do to manipulate it back to where I want it to be. And that being what I consider the central problem of alcoholism, that's also spiced up by all sorts of other mental issues, being slightly neurotic, but yet uh, thinking at times that if I can just get away with stuff, I really didn't do anything wrong. I mean, we could talk about this is big. That's why when you said at the beginning, we're going to maybe talk about more. In 29 plus years of being actively sober and 30 something years of actively trying to get sober, there are so many examples of how this manifests in my life. And the issue that then comes back to 
alcohol, alcoholism, drug, drug addiction is, I am not a person who can get away with this behavior. I may be able to get away with the behavior of selfishness and self-centeredness for a while, but eventually it causes my world to go gray. It causes my world to feel bad, and I become restless, irritable, and discontent, and either I am going to recommit myself to being a giving, altruistic type person who is going to hand you the nicest piece of birthday cake, and when we get to the uh, Airbnb, say, hey, you pick your bedroom first because I want you to be the most comfortable. I may not say those exact words, but letting that happen. And when someone I love is in the master bedroom with the big shower and the nicest bed, and I'm in one of the twin size beds in the side room, that I can actually go to bed and close my eyes and fall asleep because I know that the person that I love is happy. I want to ask you about uh, this message again. Um, I, I, I came, my, my sponsor is the same. I come from the same kind of tree, if you will. Uh, when, when, when we said this message, it was, okay, here's the book. Here's how they did it in the beginning. I mean, you know, not exactly, but, you know, basically following the instructions in the book and following that through to the end. Or not the end, but, you know, starting in the process that yep. way. What? So I'm trying to think when somebody else is thinking about this message, uh, and I don't know the answer to this question, what other sort of message is there to care? What other sort of message is, and I know that you said that, hey, whatever works for somebody, hey, I'm all for it, right? But are there other messages that people are carrying from your perspective? Well, I'll give you a for instance, and this is a silly thing, but everyone's going to know what I'm talking about. And some people, this is the way you did this. And I am not in any way saying that the way you did this is wrong, but it is a variation of the big book. So I started sponsoring someone who struggled for years to be sober and had several years sober at a time and has been very active and is very intelligent and very much wants recovery and and called me one day and said, hey, uh, you know, I want a new view. I need a new perspective. Can you help me? And I said, well, where are you at? And he goes, well, I just recently did a fourth step, but my fifth step was a little anticlimactic and it didn't seem like we went over everything. I said, hey, you know what? Why don't you just come over tomorrow or whatever day it was and let's sit down and let's have a look at it and see, let me look at that and talk with you and see what there is that maybe we can do a little different or, you know, superimpose some of the things that I do on it. And so my friend comes over and he has probably 40 pages of filled out uh, four-step inventory. And it's all on a grid with checkboxes. So in other words, he has the person, he has maybe two words about, maybe I shouldn't say how many words, but just a couple words about what it is that happened, you know, stole from me or kissed my wife, whatever. I didn't, that, those weren't either of the things, but it was that simple and basic. And then the next thing was checkboxes of the different things that that could affect in him. And that was it. And so I thought back to the way I was taught to do my fourth step and my resentment inventory, and we gave lots of room in the second column so I could really get out what they did that upset me, you know? Mm. Uh, Bill's is pretty abbreviated, but if you put words, modern words to Bill's thing, like the guy, you know, liking his wife and his wife kind of liking the guy back, you know, Mr. Smith or whatever his name was, and you put words to it, there's a lot more to it than just saying, 
thought wife cute. You know what I mean? And so in mine, when I was taught to do it, my second column, it's done in bullet points by each event that I am angry about and can't let go of. But I'm able to expound on that as much as I need to, to really get out of me what it is that I'm upset about. And that was valuable because I was upset about those things. And it was like a hamster wheel in my mind. It was multiple hamster wheels that I jumped from wheel to wheel and spun my (laughs) wheels for years because I could not it was so chaotic the way my resentments worked. And so that was really value to me. And that wasn't in that version of doing the fourth step. And then in the third column, I had thought about how it affected me kind of in a babyish way. Like, you know, I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas kind of you. I'm, I'm, exaggerating, but for the point of saying, I when I thought about how my dad treated me when I was a kid and how that affected me, I did think about that it, it made me feel bad about myself and less than and unloved and all those things. And I needed a space to write that out. You know, when my dad diminished any success that I had when I was a little boy, it made me feel like I wasn't lovable to my father and it made me feel hurt inside and damaged. And I needed to be able to write that out. And then he didn't even have a fourth column, and I'm not saying that the big book says fourth column, but it does say we put on paper our faults. We listed them on paper. So somewhere there's supposed to be a fourth column, whether it's on another page, and that didn't even exist. And I'm thinking to myself, this person has been in AA for a lot of years, unable to stay sober, has written a 60-page resentment inventory, (laughs) but not done it according to how the big book says to do it, in my view. Okay? And so that's what I'm talking about. So I just said to him, hey, you know what? Take this home, go down this list, and any of these that feels like resentment still, go ahead and start from scratch, and let's do it in a four-column inventory. We'll do the first three columns first, and once you're done with the three columns, we'll talk about that paragraph where it says putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely looked where the fault was ours, whatever, however it's worded. And then we'll do a fourth column, and then we'll move on to the fears. I don't even know what his fears look like, but when I saw this grid with the check marks, I thought to myself, thank God. Yeah. And the reason I thought, thank God, is because if he would have showed up with what I, what I experienced as a fourth step that really got down to the causes and conditions to my problem, I wouldn't have had anything for him. But the fact that he came in with some hybrid thing that he got from a treatment center— that isn't the way the big book, in my view, says to do it, it was a relief to me because I don't have all the answers. Mm. When someone comes to me, well, let me just tell you something. No one ever comes to me in long-term sobriety and says, yes, I'm going to meetings every day. I'm praying, meditating every morning. I'm, I'm talking to newcomers. I'm carrying the message to, to uh, treatment centers and to jails and institutions. I'm working with a therapist. I'm going to bed at night and first doing either a mental or a written inventory. And every day I just want to jump off a cliff. No one ever does that. They always come to me with 10, 20, or five-year sobriety, and I ask them, well, tell me about how many meetings you went to since last week. Well, I'm going to a couple a week. Okay, okay. Well, tell me about what you read this morning before you prayed and meditated. Well, you know, I, I, I read Daily Reflections sometimes. People email it to me. And, and did you sit quietly for a few minutes and think? In other words, what I'm getting at is it is a relief to me when someone is miserable in Alcoholics Anonymous and they ask me for help and I look at what they're doing and it doesn't, it isn't the message. It isn't what I would carry to them. And that makes me feel like maybe I can be useful to this person. Maybe I have something to offer. 
I have a message, the message that worked for me, and maybe this message they had works for other people, but it's not working for them. And that's a blessing to me. You know, I feel so much gratitude when I am able to be a participant in someone turning around gray sky sobriety. Mm. Okay, so what I'm I'm picturing right now is there's going to be people that are listening to this in, oh gosh, they're in another country or they're in a remote area or maybe, you know, we're fortunate. We've got some good sobriety oh, yeah. in our area. Uh, and we have people who carry the message and they are, you know, they're consistent about it. And But there's a lot of areas that just don't have that dense of a population where all that is available to them. And I don't know if you know the answer to this, but like if, if, uh, if someone is out there and they're looking for that sort of experience and they want to have that sort of experience, but they just don't know where to turn for something like that. Do you have any thoughts on that? That's, that is tough. And, and I don't think it's impossible because I think at every group everywhere, there are people who follow this. Now, obviously, that can't be 100% true because nothing is 100% true. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess with the advent of Zoom mm-hmm. and these online meetings blowing up during COVID, that certainly opened up the world to see new people and see new things. You know, yeah. I have my meetings that I go to, but I mean, we're so lucky at the Frisco group. You guys who haven't ever come and visited us, I hope that everyone will. We yeah. do have people that show up at our noon meeting yeah. and like introduce themselves. And both the Frisco group and the Frisco Fourth Dimension Yeah, both group. of our groups. Yeah, we have people that come to those groups who want, it's, they're coming to, to say hi, you know, which mm-hmm. is super cool. So if you ever want to do that, just know that we, I love that. Yeah. And, and I wish I knew all the people around who listen to this, because I travel for a living, and I would love to meet people at meetings, but obviously the dynamic of that is probably hard. However, I, when I was ready, in recovery, ready because I had gray life sobriety, because I've gone through periods, down times, hurt times, bad times where I've not acted well or felt well or done well, and in the time that I was finally ready to get sober. Because I started coming to AA in 1987, and I didn't get sober till 1993, and I had a lot of sponsors who I asked to help me, and I can tell you the sponsor that finally helped me in those first six years, I never would have considered asking him because I was so annoyed by what a know-it-all big book thumping, ugh, he just <laughs> drove me crazy, getting all weepy because he was so happy, and it just seemed like a joke to me, you know? And it reminds me of in, in um, chapter four, there's a, there's a great line, and it's talking about a drowning man, Right? And it's, it compares a drowning man being tossed a blade of grass. What at first seemed a flimsy reed has proven to be the loving and powerful hand of God. So these big book thumping, highlighted big books and all that stuff, if you think that that's irritating and you don't like that, I want you to know that I completely understand why, because I felt exactly the same way, and that was my unwillingness and unopen-mindedness to really participate in the real solution, which isn't that far off from my unwillingness to participate in the real solution everywhere I ever went in my life before AA. I was always a person who wanted 
to do things my way. I considered willingness. I was willing as long as I felt like doing it, which is not willingness. That's the opposite of willingness. That's doing what you feel like. And so when I finally turned a corner in my life and was able to get what's proven to be long-term sobriety, it's when I recognized that I needed to ask one of these people who had something that I didn't understand. Not something I wanted, because I did not want what they had. I found what they had irritating. (laughs) But I wanted something different than what I had. And that is how I ask and why I ask the sponsor who ended up being a part of saving my life. Okay. So back to the the middle piece of this 12-step, right? Carrying this message to other alcoholics. Um, So, I I guess we could carry it. it, It's to other alcoholics, right? Uh, And that's why there's the primary purpose. And I know you've talked a little bit about the primary purpose already, but I want to kind of go back to that again. Carrying this message to alcoholics and... Uh, Can you expand on that a little bit more? So you've been at a lot of meetings with me, and I would describe some of my shares as a little bit crazy, (laughs) okay? Um, I mean, I don't like flip out and start screaming at people. That's not what I mean by crazy. But my when I speak in a meeting, I want to make sure that I get across to the people who are there who might need it just how much of a mental illness I believe alcoholism is and just how that mental illness has manifested in my life. I cannot tell you how many times, how many well-meaning people, some of whom I'm friends with to this day, some of whom were just passing people who I wouldn't even describe as acquaintances, but I met a few times, have come up to me after meetings and told me, you know, you're really hard on yourself. You know, maybe you should go a little easier on yourself. And and what they're not getting is the reason I'm being so cold, hard, honest about who I am and what I struggle with and what I've struggled with in the past and where I've been and the shame that I've had to metabolize and find an, another side to and why I am so graphic not graphic with my language, although I can drop an F-bomb here and there, but graphic with the description of what's wrong with me is because that is what has gotten through to the very most people. I can tell you this, and I think I said this to you the other day. When I finish sharing sometimes, and my heart's beating a little bit fast, and I can feel that my face is a little bit flushed, and I even think to myself sometimes, oh, I hope I didn't take that too far. Pretty much every single time that happens, someone comes up to me after the meeting and asks me if they'll if they can get help for me to work the steps. And that is, I believe, why I have so many sponsees, why I've gone through the book with so many people. Keeping in mind that me going through the book with all of these people is what has made the best things in my life the best things in my life. So it's not like all of these people who have asked me for help are walking around, you know, sunbeams for AA Jesus because they're so happy. A lot of them disappear within a week. Most of them disappear after the first week they meet with me, and they really find out when they sit in my office with me and we talk about what's wrong with us, they're not willing to go there yet. And I'm willing to go there appropriately in an open meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous because I believe that the message of deep, ingrained, 
selfishness and self-centeredness, which is what I think I'm talking about when that's going on, that that is what rings bells in people's mind because they hear what I'm saying, they know I've been sober coming up on three decades, and here I am talking about what's wrong with them right now. Yeah, I uh, remember, ah, gosh, we've known each other uh, 10, 15 Since years 06. now? 06. That's when I first started going to Frisco. I asked you to sponsor me in 08 or 09. Okay, gotcha. Well, it's, so it's been a while. Yeah. And I remember telling you that it took me a while to get used to your shares. I'm a fairly laid back guy. Yep. And I said to you, I, as soon as I got over the fact that it wasn't personal. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was talking about you. I didn't well, know you, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It just wasn't like you weren't coming at me with that intensity. The intensity was just something that was inside you and how you felt and what the message you were trying to get across. I love how you share. And like you said, you attract a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people yeah. who fall into your lap and want you to sponsor them, and you do a great job with them. And uh, you know, I, all of us drink and drug different, right? I never got a DWI. The one time I got arrested for alcohol, it was a public intox in in Highland Park, and I woke up and had hot McDonald's breakfast, and the judge let me out like within twenty minutes because I just graduated from UT, and the Cotton Bowl was that day, and he didn't want me to miss the game. I mean, that is my experience with the law. I've been in jail for not paying traffic tickets and what have you, but really, my consequences, when you look at my legal consequences, aren't the issue. The issue is the emotional the spiritual bankruptcy, the vacuous hole in my soul that alcoholism fed on, you know, mm -hmm. fed on my need to squelch that, you know, who uh, that guy on the West Coast talks about a cold wind blowing through and just making your stomach turn. I used to call it the gut. Mm -hmm. And when I can verbalize that, which I pretty much do every time I share, when I can verbalize that this is the this this message, this program, yes, I don't ever have to drink again, but the reason I don't have to drink again is because I don't have that hole in my soul anymore. And, and you know, and, and I think that how, like, you have a place for particular people, and there are other people who share kind of more mellow that have a place for other people, right? And you are somebody who really, I mean, you have this, uh, gosh, I feel like I'm cross-talking now, which I am, <laughs> but you have this ability to, you're, you're a real leader, right, within Alcoholics Anonymous, from my perspective. And people are attracted to you, and they absolutely love it. And when you share meetings, for me personally also, it helps to reframe things in my mind, and it helps me to see, th it helps me to see things in a different way. And it also, and like you just said earlier, it helps me really like when anyone shares, but it helps me to look deep inside and see where I may have those same uh, defects and and uh, uh, challenges in my life, and realize that I'm not alone in this world. And but you could do it really well at group level. Well, it's an interesting thing that you say that because 
there's all different types of sharing in AA. You know, there's the storytellers, and, and there's a lot of people with long-term sobriety who really don't talk about the working the steps or say they didn't work the steps for 15 years and stayed sober. And, you know, there's all different types of, and that's what I meant in the beginning of this when I talked about the value of that, right? That I, I see that there's all different, you know, alcoholism isn't one size fits all disease, right? We all have the commonality of the allergy and the obsession, but how that manifests in all of our lives is as different as, as all of our fingerprints, you know? Our fingers look the same, they're similar, you know, it's a hand, you know, it's a finger, but if you look at it under a microscope, every fingerprint is unique, and and that's what I love about AA. I don't have to hear the message of you better work the 12 steps or you're going to die from every person in the room, Right. So you go to a lot of meetings with me, and I get called on often, so I get an opportunity to speak. And so when Burning Desires comes up, I I occasionally will interject something during Burning Desires, but typically I don't. And I'll tell you right now the difference. If I listen to the meeting and the message of Alcoholics Anonymous that I feel responsible for giving giving or sharing or whatever you want to say, if someone covered that during the meeting, I don't share during burning desires, which is most of the time because we go to a group that's full of people who work the 12 steps from the big book, right? At any given meeting I go to, we have, for those of you who don't know, our noon meeting can be anywhere from 50 to 80 people, just depending on the day. And in that room, every time I go, there's anywhere from five to 15 people in the room that have just done the step study that we do every year. Not to mention, there's multiple people in the room that were my sponsees, that they work the steps, and then my sponsor is in the room with me. And so chances are, during a meeting on any topic, someone is going to bring up, at least in their their way, their personality, that solution that I feel responsible for. However, if no one does, which happens sometimes, when burning desires come, I will share what I want to add to the meeting to make sure that the message that I have promised the world and God that I am going to put out there is is spoken of in that meeting. I think that's what you're talking about. Sometimes when I share, I'm not trying to reframe the meeting. I'm just framing the meeting from the perspective of my recovery, which is not the same as everyone else's. Okay. Carry this message is going to be the title of this one. I know we've already talked about it like at length. Is there anything you want to add to carry this message before we wrap up? All I would say in addition to all that we've talked about that comes into my mind is what this has done in my life. You know, there's a, there's something that's said in AA that's confusing and that's calling AA a selfish program when obviously AA is the opposite of a selfish program. But what I, and I don't say that, I don't think I say that very often, but when I hear it, what I hear is doing this, being with you here today, I did so yesterday. Let's let's just get a little perspective. Yesterday morning, I did a fifth step with a newcomer. Then I went to the noon meeting, and after the meeting, I did a fifth step with a guy who's been with me for a few weeks. Then I went to the noon meeting, and then after the meeting, another guy came over, and we went through the doctor's opinion and talked about how he's going to have an assignment for next week on his his uh, his allergy and what that looks like, right? And so you think to yourself, what is that all you got to do is AA? And you know what? Some days it feels like it is, you know, that's a lot of hours spent 
you know, doing AA. And so when you say, well, that's so unselfish, but it's in, it, it's unselfish in the sense that my time is available for people. And what I would say to anyone is if you want to get sober and you want to get better, I'll do anything in the world to help you do that. But you can get drunk on your own. And that sounds callous, but that's kind of what the big book says. Right. So that's the message I have. And so what I want to get out there is how happy and healthy and useful and meaningful my life is when I am behaving that way. When I have time for the newcomer, when I have time to take that phone call, it gives me a sense of well-being and probably, I guess, for lack of a better word, self-esteem that I just didn't know how to get before AA. I kind of call it uh, going toward the light in my particular life. In other words, there are certain activities that I do that help me to breathe deeper and help me to feel more at one, and they help me to feel like I'm doing God's will in some form or fashion, even though I don't always like doing it. Um, and there are other activities that I don't feel that way. And most everything that I do around every, around, not, not everything, but for the most part, when I get out of myself and I can do something for the good of AA as a whole, I breathe deeper. And so one thing came to mind, and I don't know if you'll edit this out or it's, it's important to say, is I have to be very careful, and I, and I would like to say that to all of my friends in AA who have some sobriety, we have to be very careful. The book talks about it. The 12 and 12 talks about it. The newcomer can be sick. They can be irritatingly sick. And I think it's part of, you know, it, and you made me think of it when you talked about this idea of what is our work. And, and the truth of the matter is, the best work that I can do is the work that I least want to do, but know it's the right thing. That is what a principle is. A principle is doing the right thing, no matter how I feel about it. Yeah. And I like what you said about the newcomers, and we do have to remember. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What is it, what's the old saying? We're here because we're not all there. <laughs> <laughs> and but to me, like when newcomers come in and they, I, you know, I, I like a little juice in the meeting for lack of a better word like yeah. you know I, I mean i love hearing you share and sometimes i even share and you know there are other people in the room that i love to hear share who have been around a while but sometimes just the newcomer just going off the reservation right. raw right raw, just makes crazy. you go oh man it's you raw know? unrefined crazy <laughs> this is why we're here right. right but you know what usually the craziest ones like me yeah are the ones that get better. If you come in and you just totally are emotionally together, you probably haven't suffered enough. You're not desperate enough. Oh my God. I, can, I mean, in my first few years of recovery, I mean, every time I shared, like four or five people got up to get coffee. <laughs> okay, let me, let, me, let me read from the big book to wrap us up. Page... 164 from Le Big Book of Le Big Book of Alcoholics. I'm pretty Anonymous. sure that's not French, but that's cool. 
<laughs> I'm trying to go for Spanish. That's oh. so sad. Oh, no, Lay. No. <laughs> what? Yeah, that could be French. I don't know. There's my bilinguality coming at you. All right. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us, like me and David G., as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, thank you, David, for joining. Always great to be with you. There we go, Mr. David G., always bringing the heat. Thank you so much, David G. Appreciate it. I'm sure I will have David G. back on in the near future. Uh, It's just a matter of us scheduling some time. And David has plenty of content, which I absolutely love. Remember now, we don't want you sharing your gossip or your STD. However, we do want you sharing this episode with a friend or family member. Keep in mind, that may be just what they need today. Now, on to a little O, listener feedback. All right, so uh, this is um, a kind of a announcement, I guess you would call it, slash feedback. I've been getting recently many emails uh, via the uh, correctional system. Uh, most of them are from a service called JPay, and if you're out there listening and you are incarcerated, you will probably know exactly what I'm talking about. I've had folks reaching out to me, and they want to be able to correspond with somebody. I do not have time to respond to everything that's coming in my way, but there is a gentleman that I have here, a local, uh, a great guy. I absolutely love him, and he has access to the messaging system within the uh, uh, prison system uh, through this JPay thing, and he can and he can correspond with you. So if you're out there and you would like uh, me to send this to my buddy here uh, in the uh, Texas area to uh, be able to uh, uh, communicate with you, feel free to uh, send me a message at john, J-O-H-N, at silverspeak.com. I will get the correspondence on over to him and he can communicate with you uh, appropriately. And so far, just so you know, I mean, all I have is a, 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 a how do you, how do I say this? I'm sorry. Men uh, that have written in, I don't have any women thus far that I could have corresponded with you. So, so far it's just men. If you're a woman and you have a, and you have a, uh, if, if, if you are interested in that type of service, if you're in AA and you would like to provide that type of service to women, uh, write me and, uh, hopefully we can get you set up and, uh, uh, have some sort of, uh, communication going on there. I hope it made sense on that with everybody. So, all right, uh, now onto a little bit of a listener feedback. And like I said, I had, like I said, like I told you at the beginning of this here episode, I have another version of John M. Bites. Okay, so I I have somebody writing. Okay, they didn't say what their name was. You know, sometimes you could tell from the email, and I think I could tell from the email, but I'm just not going to say the name because they didn't sign it. Uh, I'll just say uh, 
XXXX writes in. And the title of this was Fargo Interview. And this person is referring to my interview with Jeff V, I'm assuming, just because it said Fargo Interview. And it was a recent uh, episode. And and I think he's the only guy I've ever interviewed from Fargo, North Dakota, now that I think of it. But nonetheless, and it's a little bit disheveled. In other words, it, it looks like it's to Jeff, but it talks to me at the same time. So I'm just going to read it as is. It says, hi, Jeff. I dislike the interviewer of the person who exhibits all the symptoms of ADD slash ADHD, meanwhile, laughs at him during an interview. So I'm, I can only assume they are talking about me because I am the interviewer. And then this person says, people in that mental frame generally have addiction issues. Well, guilty as charged. I mean, it's called sober speak, but nonetheless, whether they are on medication or not, and she's talking, uh, he, the person is talking about, uh, a, the, whoever's interviewing Jeff here, whether they're on medication or not, trying to calm their mind at the end of the day is a huge struggle. Meanwhile, he tried to give you his truth and you laughed at him. So I think it switched back to talking about me and Jeff. Uh, anyway, it says he mentioned criticism that was given his way and you laughed. That is what we call rejection sensitive dysphoria. Hey, those with ADD, ADHD are overly prone to this. I hate how you laugh at him. You are what we call in, in parentheses, in, uh, excuse me, quote marks, atypical, unquote. I was on board with your podcast until this one. Your lack of sensitivity for anyone who doesn't look like you mentally is disgusting. I'm sure your time is better spent elsewhere. So, well, I, like I said, some of it seems like it's written to me and some of it seems like it's written to Jeff. I can't really tell. It's a little bit uh, going back and forth. But I did reply to this person. I said, listen, I've slept since the interview. Can you tell me which piece you are talking about? In particular, is there something that really, you know... I, I, for me to actually sit down and actually write something like this, take time out of my day to do it, it, it means it's important to me, right? So um, I, I wrote back, I, I still haven't heard back from them, but I will tell you this though, I was very happy to get a proper mental diagnosis. Now I know that I am, let me look here, uh, rejection sensitive dysphoria and I have ADD, ADHD, and I can go in and I can talk to somebody about this when it is the proper time. But anyway, oh, well, hey, you know, when you go into the public square, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, anyway, if, you, if you're listening to this and you actually receive my email and you would like to correspond with me, I would love to hear back from you. Anyway, 
Some more uh, uh, listener feedback. Mateo writes in. Oh, I remember Mateo. Oh, do I remember. Thanks for the meetings between meetings that helps keep the squirrel in my head uh, at bay one day at a time. Uh, I love that. The squirrel in his head. I think I'm going to start calling myself a, a squirrel chaser or a squirrel deflector or a squirrel, uh, I don't know, something. But I love how he phrased that. Uh, and then anyway, Mateo goes on, I'm learning a lot from the podcast and your voice has become like listening to an old friend. Thanks, Mateo. I appreciate it. He says it helps the long nights, the time spent doing dishes and laundry and cleaning up. Much appreciate you, John. He says, I listened to your story a few times and cried each time. You're truly a beautiful soul. All my best to you and yours. And I remember Mateo because he sent a picture in of his brand new baby girl that he had just had. And he was holding his daughter in his arm and laying on the couch. And I just thought that was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and I, I copied Gary Kay on some uh, correspondence he had given because he, he mentioned Gary Kay and Gary responded. And so anyway, Mateo, God bless you and your family. And thank you so much for writing in. Scott writes in, as Scott says, uh, <laughs> the the title of the uh, the subject line of the email is a little o feedback <laughs> oh that's good that's good mr scott he says good morning john m my name is scott if you haven't already gathered that and he says that my sobriety date is 1216 of 06. And for that, I am grateful. I'm writing you from the beautiful Ozark Mountains in Arkansas. My home group is the Rogers Group in Rogers, Arkansas. And we would love to have you if you ever trudge up this way. Well, thank you for the invite, sir. And if anybody up there is listening from the Rogers Group in Roger, Rogers, Arizona, uh, tell Mr. Scott I said hello, okay? Anyways, he says, I've been listening to you um, off and on for about a year. I took a sabbatical from AA for several years, and I'm trying to get back into it on a regular basis. I really enjoyed your episode, number 272. I understand your hesitancy to publish your own talks, but it is important to us. We want to get to know you and your pains you have overcome. It lets us know that you are one of us and not just another bozo on the bus. I would love to hear more of your stories sometime. Having not participated in the program the last several years, I've missed some things. My life wasn't bad, but I'm realizing it hasn't been great either. I was listening to Reno John, I believe, and he was talking about his stock market woes. It helped me to realize there are certain selfish behaviors I have been participating in that were rather destructive. He also says you can do anything you want as long as you can live with it. I've heard that many times, but I just, quote, heard, unquote, it for the first time in a couple of, uh, first time a couple of days ago. Thank you for being there to help get this bozo back 
on the bus. Happy trudging, Scott. Well, Scott in Arizona, God bless you, my friend. Thank you for writing in, and uh, thank you for all the kind words. I appreciate it. Hannah writes in, and by the way, just so everybody knows, Hannah is, I think they call it, oh, what's the word? A nanogram? Is that what they call it? Well, you could spell something both forwards and backwards, like the, like the name Bob, B-O-B, right? You could spell it forwards and backwards. And so why I took time out of listener feedback to give an English lesson that people neither want or they already know. I'm not sure, but sorry for wasting the last 15 seconds of your life. Hannah writes in, she says, hi, I live in Suquamish County, excuse me, Suquamish, Washington, Kitspat County. My sober date is December 19th of 2022. My story starts in early 2020, right before COVID hit and everything shut down. I was sober from January 2020 to May 2021. Wow, that's a tough time to be sober. She says, in December 2020, I was diagnosed with stage three invasive ductal carcinoma. I don't know exactly what that is, but I, I'm assuming it is some sort of a cancer, but I don't know what ductal is. Um, anyway, I'm sorry for your diagnosis. She says, in the midst of trying to stay sober in a home with an emotionally abusive, active alcoholic partner, I was diagnosed with cancer. I went through chemo, bilateral mas- mastectomy, and radiation. October 2021, I packed up my kids and I moved from Lake Chelan, Washington, back here to Kitsap County, where I grew up. I loaded up my 97 Chevy Tahoe filled with just what I could fit in the vehicle vehicle, and $600 in my pocket. During this time, I had a relapse in May of 2021. Once chemo finished, I had to celebrate, right? I was sober again for eight months, and then I started having occasional drinks early early 2022 off and on. I quit drinking again in August of 2022, and I was sober until my most recent relapse in December. This was the quick version of recent events. I got back to meeting. This is the quick version of, uh, of recent events. I got back into meetings, started working with a sponsor and making my sobriety a priority again. I found sober speak on a random search on Spotify. I absolutely big capital letters loved it. I listened to many of your speakers. Most recently, I listened to the second part of Gary K and man, did I get a lot of nuggets out of all that. There was also on, I listened to a Hispanic woman, and I can't remember her names, but it had me in tears. I think you're probably talking about Brenda J. She says, your podcast has been such a blessing. I am a single mom, working full time, going to school full time, and taking care of my two beautiful kiddos. I try to make many meetings, as many meetings as I can, uh, but it's just not doable. I listen to your podcast as I get ready for my day in the morning and on my way to and fro work. She didn't actually say fro. She said from, but for whatever reason, I felt like saying fro. 
She says, there, this has kind of been all over the place, but there you have a bit of my background. There's a lot more to tell. I'm just glad to have found your station and so grateful to be sober today. I'm coming up on 60 days. And again, uh, again, and I'm not looking back. Hannah B. Well, Hannah B., congrats on those, congrats on those 60 days. And I'm, it sounds like you're on the right path. And I'm really glad. Um, Scott writes in, this is another Scott. He says, good morning. I will be quick. I just spent a couple of months in jail for an OWI from 2020. I was able to listen to your podcast while there, and it was such a help to stay connected to recovery. Thank you for your great content or thank you for your content and keep up the great work, Scott. Well, Scott, thank you for telling me that, my friend. Uh, that is really, really cool, and I'm glad we were able to be a part of your journey. Chris writes in, he says, Hi, John M. I really enjoy listening to Sober Speak, so thank you, and long may it continue. I think something from all the speak. Uh, I, I take something from all the speakers, but no particular favorites, and I enjoy them all. I found Sober Speak on Spotify while along with other various recovery options, and it fills my day while working. I live in a, a town called Swindon in the United Kingdom. My sobriety date is November 5th, 2022. Uh, I'm uh, over 100 uh, days sober. Keep doing what you're doing, John M. Thank you, Chris. M. Well, you keep doing what you're doing too there, Mr. Chris M. I appreciate ya. Eric writes in and Eric says, I'm originally from North Dakota, but I'm living in Australia right now. Well, hey, mate. He says, I've just finished uh, your podcast from episode one up to the recently released one. My goodness, you've been busy with us uh, ever speak. Thank you, Eric. And he says, some of my Family members have recently moved from North Dakota to Fort Worth. Being from a rural area in North Dakota, my mom is just starting to drive on some of the, quote, scary roads <laughs> in the Fort Worth area. I'm sure they are scary compared to North Dakota. He says, I hope all, I hope that, oh, I hope that allows her to explore some Al-Anon groups in her area. When she was visiting me in Perth, Western Australia, she found a group she connected with, but she has struggled with some of the coolest groups near where she lives outside, or closest groups she, near where she lives outside of the Fort Worth area. I'm getting just past four and a half years sobriety and i get a lot out of your speakers and your 15 minutes of listener feedback oh good eric uh, i guess you'll get to hear yourself uh, you're you're not you but your email right here uh he says your ability to be a living demonstration of the fact that while life can give us a few roadblocks during sobriety, the steps, and more importantly, our actions on the steps, allow us to have another way of handling those roadblocks. Thank you again, and I hope you and your family have a blessed day and week. Eric C. Well, thank you, Eric C., and I do hope your mom finds uh, some uh, Al-Anon meetings over there in the Fort Worth area that she can attend. Uh, appreciate you right now. If you need any help with that, 
write me, let me know. I'm sure I know somebody here in the area that can uh, uh, point her along. Um, and here is somebody I am not using. Okay, somebody wrote in, not using their name. It's a woman. Oh, I remember this. Yes. I, I just wanted to read this, and you'll see why I am leaving this out. She says, I have never quit using for very long. I can't stand myself hardly right now. I've been in Topeka since 2016, and I have kept myself displaced. So I wrote back and I asked her if she would like me to have another woman in the program reach out to her. And then she wrote in and she said, no woman in AA wants anything to do with me right now. I must prove myself that I really want to be sober by doing the work. Well, and the only reason I wanted to read to read this is to just to say, I'm sure there are people out there listening right now who kind of think the same thing. Um, however, if you need help, please get help. Reach out. Um, like she says right here, she doesn't think any woman in AA wants anything to do with her. And I have found the exact opposite to be true. We just want people, we, if people want help, we want to help them. If they don't want it, we're going to leave them alone and let them do what they need to do on their own, reach their own bottom. However, my experience has been is that women and men will bend over backwards to make sure that somebody who is looking for help gets that help. So I just decided to read that. I didn't know whether I should or not, but I left her name out. And then finally, Paula writes in and she says, Hi, John, I'm 74 years old and I'm 17 years sober. My sober journey started in Austin at the Allendale meeting. I'm now living in a small town in Indiana, one meeting a week. I'm usually the only women woman. A big change from all of the meeting choices in Austin. I found Sober Speak recently just searching for recovery inspiration. I've been in meetings with so many of your guests and hearing them talk again remind, reminds me of the strong foundation I got early in sobriety. Danny B., Tears listening to him. Yeah, I love Danny. She says he would come to meetings to at Bridge to Shore, always encouraging to me personally. I was part of a team volunteering when Harris, yes, started the citywide meeting. I listen to it on Zoom now. I have two people at my house once a week, and we read the daily meditation and then listen to a speaker on your podcast. Your podcast gives us the opportunity to share with them some of the people that were there for me in the first six years of, of sobriety in Austin. Thank you, John, for what you do, Paula D. Well, God bless you, Paula D., um, that is very cool. You get to uh, listen to one of the episodes and kind of use it as a, a meeting topic, for lack of a better word. But I'm, I'm glad that, that we can fit the bill in that arena. All right, everybody, that is Uno Mas episode of Sober Speak in the Books. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. May God bless you and keep you until then. Like I always say, 
I take this one week at a time. Hope to be back next week. God bless you all.